Welcome to the Obesity Medicine Podcast with your host, Dr. Matea Rentia, board certified in internal medicine and obesity medicine. Here, we talk about a path to metabolic health, and we have real conversations about chronic weight management and living a full life. Just a reminder, I am a physician, but I'm not your physician. So everything that's on this podcast is for informational purposes, but please go talk to your doctor about what's right for you. There is no medical advice being given on this podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, we are going to talk about one of my absolute favorite topics, and it's blood sugar management. Now, another term you might hear a lot about is insulin resistance, you know, things like that. I'm going to walk you through today. A lot of people will say, well, I'm not even diagnosed pre-diabetic or diabetic. This is not a challenge of mine. Here's the thing. A lot of the time, you need to worry about these things well before they become a problem because that's when you can really work on them most. And they're usually showing up in ways that you are commonly complaining about, but not realizing that blood sugar is involved. So for example, if you are hungry often, or you have lots of urges and cravings, or your sleep quality is poor, or your mood's up and down, you, you either can't lose weight or you can't keep going, or you have really like nonspecific symptoms such as, you know, I can't think so clearly. Some people kind of call that brain fog, or I'm fatigued, I'm tired all the time, I have lots of inflammation, like you wake up in the morning and just a lot of like, you can tell when you've had a lot of carbs the night before. It's just like a little bit swollen, a little bit stiff. Okay. All of that kind of stuff can often be traced back to blood sugar that's all over the place. So I want to dig into a little bit how you can notice this. What are some common myths that we can dispel? And what are three ways that you can actually work on this? And if you're someone that loves this topic, you want to learn more, you actually want to help set yourself up to either reverse if something's already there or to not have these problems even begin with, then I would really recommend that you sign up for my Blood Sugar Mastermind. Enrollment is open right now. The week that this episode is coming out, it will have opened officially the main list this Monday. So today when you're listening, so if that is something that you want, write down in the show notes, you can find the link to register. Otherwise you can go to, um, you can go to my blog. That's Rentia Clinic, R-E-N-T-E-A clinic.com forward slash blog. And you'll see the link right in the first post for this week. So I hope that I see you in there because we are not only going to talk about literally like the nuts and bolts of understanding this, because I think a lot of people like there's just like buzzwords, like get rid of the sugar in your diet. And it's very diet culture. It makes no sense. You don't understand why you're doing things. It really doesn't take into account the modern world we live in and that it's maybe not necessarily reasonable for you to always eat unprocessed. And so I'm really going to go over a lot of those principles. And then each week I bring in a guest expert, usually it's a physician, and we talk about a lot of different topics, some of them that I just see very commonly, even patients that are on the weight loss medications, but it's beneficial even if you're not the topics. But we're going to talk about a range of things such as how to build muscle, how to hold on to your muscle if you're on a medication. Um, we're going to talk about constipation is something that I just see people struggle so much with, especially when they get on the meds, women's health you know, what happens in perimenopause, menopause, and there are so many other topics. If this sounds interesting, this is the time to work with me. I just want to give you a little heads up. I do a lot of thinking about when am I next going to open up a live thing with people, things like that. So I have a, a little short mini course that's going to come out on really how to optimize your weight. That's going to probably be January, February time. That's going to not be a live course. It's just going to be a really condensed down course of some things. But the the only other time I'm going to probably do a live course, it's going to be months and months from now. I think next year, maybe once or twice. So if you're considering working with me and you think, oh, okay, you know, every few months she has something, 
really, if you want to get in there live, one of the benefits of being part of my programs is that you ask me questions. I answer them in private member podcasts. I answer them on the calls. Same thing with the guests that come in. It's amazing to watch all this stuff in replays later, but it's also amazing if you can make it to any of the calls. And we have it at a variety of times this time. So if you're wanting that, this is really the time. So seize the moment if this is something that you're wanting. All right, so let's get to, let's actually get to today's topic. So first of all, why, you know, why do we care about this? A lot of the time, if you're, if you have a few extra pounds on you, if your weight is up some, there's more insulin resistance. What this means is to keep your blood sugar in the normal range, you need more insulin around to do that same response. Even if you get blood sugar labs done and you say, okay, my morning fasting is normal and my three-month hemoglobin A1C is normal, I don't have this problem. Most people that are overweight, overweight or obesity, will have insulin resistance, will need more insulin around to get the same response for the blood sugar. If you look at uh, studies on this, there's maybe only 7% that are not affected by it. But again, that's extremely rare. So most people, right, 90 plus percent, this will be a challenge for them. You can see a lot of these things physically on the body. Um, For example, as doctors, we will look for something called acanthosis nigricans. That's a darkening of the skin pigmentation around the folds of the neck, under the arm, maybe in the groin area. We might see a lot of skin tags. Now, some skin tags can just be from friction that develops, but often if we're seeing a lot, that can be insulin resistance. So there are many other things that we're looking for Often if insulin resistance is a problem, it's also going to create other, what I use the term metabolic problems, such as cholesterol being up. Sometimes we might see some cholesterol deposits around the eyes. We have fancy names for all of this in medicine. But the point is this, usually we want to work on this stuff before the labs become abnormal. So for example, a pre-diabetic hemoglobin A1C, at least in the States, it's going to be 5.7 up to 6.4%, and then 6.5 and above is diabetes. Now, in medicine, it's very binary, right? It's like, okay, if you're under 6.4, you're you're in the pre-diabetic range, and if you're over 6.5, you're in the diabetic range. But me and you know that it's a continuum, right? They just had to pick classifications for where they're going to diagnose it and not. About a third of the U.S. population is pre-diabetic and doesn't even know it. These numbers are, there's just a lot of people that are struggling with this. And it's very common that people don't know it's a challenge and I'll look at their labs and for years before it was a problem. So number one, I really want to recommend that you actually know what your labs are. That's that's definitely something that you should know what your last fasting sugar is. Fasting morning sugar should be under 100. Often it can be, you know, 105, 110, things like that. Once it starts to go above 126, again, that's that's a diabetic land. But again, we want it under 100 in the morning. And so that can be something called impaired fasting sugar. And then I want you to know what your A1C is just to know, is this at this moment, something that's diagnosed as already a problem or not. Okay, so that's that's number one. The two myths I want to dispel, because I think when people think about this, they think, here's the first thing I hear, is that I'm going to have to lose a ton of weight for the blood sugar to be normal. This is not the case. I have so many patients that have lost no weight but have reversed prediabetes, diabetes, things like that. This is where we come to the conversation where everyone is really weight obsessed. And and, and there's many reasons for this, being socialized, how people feel in their body. It, It goes on and on. But number one, you do not need to lose massive amounts of weight to see improvements in your blood sugar. Sure, it can help because you're literally getting rid of some of that insulin resistance, right? So of course, that's going to be great. But I want to encourage you, 5 10%, even no weight, depending on what your 
unique genetics are like, right, can lead to reversal of these things and greatly helping. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, the other thing I will typically hear from patients that have these labs up, they think I've got to get rid of all carbs. And I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. It's really about quality of the food and balancing the food and timing of the food. And there are really simple strategies that you can employ that that can optimize all of this for yourself. So I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, uh, if I work on this, it means not ever again having chocolate. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, so those are the two most common myths. No, you don't need to lose all the weight. No, you don't need to cut out all the carbs. In fact, this is very interesting. I was recently listening to something, and if you're sitting there and getting massive amounts of protein, now 99% of you that are listening, you're not able to do that. But if you do that, it ends up still converting to some carbs. So again, it's it's people trying to trick the system. It often, it's not logical the way that this works for us. And so you're you're thinking it's one way, but your body's not responding that way. All right, so... I want to go over some tips, tricks, hacks that can make it easier to manage your blood sugar. But how do you even, I just want to get back to first, how do you even know if this is something that you're maybe struggling with? So a lot of people, number one, if you are having a very hard time losing weight, either getting started or continuing, like maybe you're someone, everyone else is losing, you know, a pound or two per week, and you're maybe hardly able to lose like half a pound every two, three weeks, right? A lot of what's usually at the heart of this is insulin resistance, which is coming back to blood sugar. So you have a really hard time losing weight or being able to keep it off. You have lots of food urges and cravings. So you want things all the time. You're not hungry, but it's very specific things. You find it very hard to say no. Your hunger level. A lot of the time, hunger is really dictated by this. So I I heard a, a great doctor talking about this the other day that almost diabetes, it wants more sugar, right? It's this ironic thing, right? So if you're noticing that you're hungry all the time. Other things that I really know notices mood going up and down for people. So you notice like it's just really hard emotionally to get through the day. There are lots of links between mental health and blood sugar regulation and kind of how we're taking care of ourselves in that realm. The other thing that that's always fascinating me, two more other areas, is sleep quality. I, I work with a lot of women and especially women that are starting to go through perimenopause or menopause. And sleep is something that is, it's affected based on our hormones. So there are literally hormone levels that change our body temperature starting to change at night. There are a lot of things that go into that. Again, we're going to talk a lot more about that in the the mastermind with me. But this is something that if we can work on the quality of what you're eating and how you're balancing things, one of the first things that I always see improve is sleep. And this is why in every program that I do, there's an audit that we do in the beginning and then middle and end to see how things are progressing along. And that's one of the first areas that I see people instantly start to feel better. The last area that that's really usually affected, a lot of people, they're just fatigued and tired all the time. And they just feel like they have body inflammation, like they can't think as clearly. They're just not feeling their best. And I am here to tell you this is not an aging thing. So this is actually something very commonly that I hear in the clinic. People think, well, you know, I'm getting older, so my memory gets a little worse and this and that. And okay, maybe I'm just more tired. There, there is a reality to we have to see what kind of bandwidth we have and what we can do. But you should not be feeling tired and exhausted 24-7. Beyond getting things like a sleep study done and having your doctor work through that, I definitely want you to talk to them about that. But but that, that should not be a 24-7 for you. So there's something else going on there. And a lot of the times, if we work on this area, I'll see big improvements for people. And of course, there's many more. Those are just sort of the big ones that I see very often. Okay, so here are my sort of three tips for you. And again, I I hate to keep like bringing up the course I'm going to do, but 
a lot of you will hear this and you're like, great, good, you'll go do it. And if some of you are thinking, oh, I need some ideas or I've heard it, but I can't implement it, then again, I'll give you lots of strategies and ideas um, within my course. Usually my workbooks have a bunch of things in them and we go through a lot of things live. All right, so number one here, if you want to get better blood sugar control, it's number one is give your carb a friend. So this will bring down the blood sugar curve. So I wanna give you an example. You could eat the same amount of mac and cheese, but if you first had a few bites of chicken and a bite or two of broccoli or a little bit of Caesar salad with some type of a protein, and then you had that mac and cheese, your blood sugar curve is a lot lower. So I don't ever want you to have a carb without a friend. And this is that is part of that balance that I'm talking about. So you'll hear me say often, it's not only the foods you're eating, but it's balancing it. Literally, you can still have these things, but we just want to balance it. So I basically don't ever want you to just kind of like have a piece of cake on its own. What we're really seeing from research is actually quite interesting. It, it suggests that actually some of these random blood sugar spikes are more detrimental than your blood sugar in general being up a little bit more overall. So it's a very interesting kind of, this is a hugely evolving area as more people are doing continuous glucose monitors. But number one, just give your carb a friend. So if you're going to have some chocolate at night, balance it out with something else, even if it's just a bite or two. My, you know, it's the same examples I always give because <laughs> they're, they stand out to me. I sometimes like to have Cheez-Its. Yeah. That's, I was like, is it Ritz or Cheez-Its? No, it's Cheez-Its. <laughs> So, but what I do nowadays, I have it with some Greek yogurt and some ranch powder in there. And so I dip them in there. The combination's great. I get that little amount of the processed food that I want, but it's balanced and I feel great afterward. I don't have urges and cravings. It just works out really great for me. So I just want you to think about what friend can I give it in these scenarios where I'm having carbohydrates on their own. The a second scenario is I want you to think about often the ordering of how we eat food can really affect our blood sugar. Now, again, I'm not here to suggest, I'm really not into diet culture, like you have to do X, Y, Z. But if you can, if you first start with the veggies and then you eat the protein and then you eat the carb, and again, it doesn't, this doesn't need to be a perfect process. Let me give you an example. Sometimes maybe, you know, I'll eat a few bites of the veggies first and I might not eat all the veggies first. But giving yourself that fiber and the protein first and then doing the carbohydrate, again, it brings down that blood sugar curve. And that balance is going to do a lot of things for you. So you not having as much of a spike, it's going to allow you to be able to release some weight. It's going to allow you to not have as much hunger, as many urges and cravings. It's going to help you out. It's like we're stabilizing the ship. You've heard me talk about this a lot that I want you to imagine like you're in the middle of a storm can you imagine how scary it would be to be in a boat in the middle of the ocean, lightning, huge waves, let's say they're 20, 30 feet high. That is a scary experience. So we want to calm down the storm first. We want the we want the water to stop moving as much. We want you to be on a quiet ocean. We don't want there to be lightning. Part of this is flattening the blood sugar curve. Just to reiterate, number one was you're going to give your carbs a friend. And number two, you're going to consider, is it possible when I eat a meal that I might start with those veggies and proteins first and then move to the move to the, the carbs on my plate? When I say carbs, by the way, and again, I would get into all the definitions of this because I feel like often I think we're all on the same page and we're not. <laughs> that is anything that's in the processed family. So things like noodles, bread, things like that, that would be 
Even if you're eating like sweet potatoes, right? Like again, there are carbohydrates or a starchy veg affect our blood sugar more than others. And so things like that, we would want to put those toward the end of the meal. So we would want to start more with like the green veggies and the protein, stuff like that. Again, I don't want to get into too many rules here, but the principle is if we have fiber and protein, if we do that first, it can decrease the hit, quote unquote, that we're going to take with the carb. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm realistic here. Like in an ideal world, we'd all get rid of all the processed food and we do this, we do that. It's not realistic. It's not happening. So let's start to work with our body. All right. The last third point on here is exercise. So this is a way that we can bring down blood sugar independent of what insulin is doing. So if you're sitting there really insulin resistant, we need other ways to bring down the blood sugar and to help out that response. And you exercising, you building up muscle mass or maintaining your muscle mass or even walking, things like that, it's going to be extremely helpful. The one time when I want to say when this, anytime you want to move is amazing, right? <laughs> anytime is a great time. But specifically, if you are someone where your blood sugar's up, maybe you just heard about this from a doctor, things like that, I want you to look at what's your largest meal of the day. It tends to be dinner for people. And I want you to look at, is it possible for me right after that meal to do a quick walk, like a 10-minute walk around the block, just a little bit of activity? I really want to encourage you. I've talked a lot about movement recently because it's been sort of like the work of this year for me. I want you to realize that little things really matter. So yes, in an ideal world, we build up a strength training program and we do this and we do that. But based on your body size, based on your ability, based on your time, based on your life situation, maybe you are a mom that's solo parenting right now. If that's the case, I know you're not going to be able to get out at night and go to the gym for an hour. No one's asking that. But is it possible with the kids, without the kids to take a quick five minute walk? If you can't leave the house, can we march in place? Can we do something after that meal to just help that out a little bit? And you're going to get a lot of other things out of that as well. And these are the kind of things I like to kind of talk through more when I go through programs. But number one, yes, we're helping out the blood sugar curve. So what this means practically is that the next day you're not going to have as many urges and cravings. So it gets easier and easier to do this work. The other thing that happens is I also feel that after a meal, we know that we've overeaten if we're not able to get that quick walk in, something like that. Like just like a leisurely five, 10 minute thing. If you're walking and you're like feeling your stomach stuff sloshing around or you feel like it's a little hard to breathe, you know, things like that, then we know that the meal was too big. So that's another area that we can work on then. But this will really also help to decrease stress. And stress is a huge part of affecting our blood sugar as well. So you get a lot out of exercise. And just that quick walk after a meal can sort of really target a lot of different areas for you to help bring that down. So there are many more principles that we could talk about here, many more things that you can do. But these are just the the really three big ones that you can follow. So number one, giving your carbs a friend. Number two, the ordering of food. Uh, you know, is it possible to start with the, the the veggie and the protein first and then move on to the carb? And then number three, incorporating a little bit of movement. Can it be after the biggest meal of the day or just a lot of people, I tend to say a 10-minute walk after dinner. But are these things that that could work in your world? Now, if you hear all of this and it's overwhelming, we don't ever need to start with all of it. Not ever, ever, ever. I think for years I've been working on this, right? So I want you to see, is there, maybe you start with the walk after dinner. It requires you to change none of the eating. It requires you to change nothing else. If that's too overwhelming, can we just with your evening snack start to balance that out? 
I want you to realize everything doesn't happen overnight. When people do massive overhauls, it never sticks around. I know every episode I tell you this, but you need to hear it that often. So realize you continually, what's your North Star? What's your value? What's your why? What are you going toward? So I want you to really focus on that. All right, so I'm going to leave it here. I hope that this was helpful today. If you have more questions, I always want to answer those for you. And again, just a a final reminder, if you want to do the Blood Sugar Mastermind, this is the week to register because then we're going to close registration as of, I think it's Saturday Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember. (laughs) And also just a quick reminder, I didn't talk about it this time We're also having that special track if you want to participate in that as well. It's really a small group coaching, metabolic health uh, coaching group, really lots of uh, action and accountability. There's a lot that we're going to do in there. I'm actually going to give custom input to people that are in that group. So not only are we going to meet, but there's also an intake form that people are going to fill out when they come in. And I'm going to give you custom feedback at the beginning and end. So you're really going to get a lot of me. (laughs) And I know for me personally, it's really been through doing small group coaching that I've had a lot of growth and I've been part of a lot of different groups and I know what I consider valuable and what I'd like to offer to my community. And this is really, this is not for someone that doesn't have the time or doesn't really want to be part of a group or kind of wants to hang in the back. This is really for you if you just really want to be in a a nice, warm, welcoming, open space and really work out why are things working or not for you? Because there's there's a lot to be learned if things are going well to really realize why. I'm going to give you an example. I have a, a coaching client and this person has lost a tremendous amount of weight, almost close to 100 pounds. And a lot of the time people are giving all the power over to the medications. Like they're saying, okay, like that this medication is the only reason I've been able to do this. And I had this person sit down and really make a list of what are all the things that they're actually doing. And they were shocked. They were shocked at how many things they were actually doing. And so we can't say, I mean, the medication is one thing on there, but the medication is not the other hundred points that showed up. So I just want, when we get into groups like this, sometimes those are the type of questions that we can ask ourselves and it really, really matters. So if you have any questions with that, again, you can always you can always send us an email at rentiaclinic at gmail.com if you are wondering if something is for you or not. But otherwise, I hope I see some of you there and let me know any questions you have. Have a great rest of the week.